This is the Daniel Alonzo Wealth on the Beach podcast. I'm a 20-year entrepreneur, investor, and business coach. I've spoken in front of over 300,000 people and been featured in Success Magazine. I became a millionaire at 24. I saved a million dollars in cash by age 28. And I am going to personally help you get totally, absolutely financially independent by creating massive, passive income. Join me now. So it's episode number 23. This is Wealth on the Beach Club uh, with Daniel Alonzo. And I am your host with an exciting, exciting guest today. His name is Brian Benstock. Brian is the general manager and vice president of the number one certified Honda and Acura dealer in the world, Paragon Honda and Paragon Acura. The Queens, New York dealership sells more than a thousand cars a month, probably more by now. 30, that, that's 34 cars a day, a sought after keynote speaker, author, podcast host and, host and forward thinking thought leader in the auto, uh, automotive industry. Ben Stock has interviewed, uh, been interviewed by CNN, Money, Fox, Business, uh, uh, Bloomberg Technology, CBS News, Automotive News, and the New York Daily News. Brian, you said the future belongs to those who adapt. Tell us what you mean. You better believe it. Well, you better believe it. It's not the strong, it's not the smart, because we both know a lot of strong and smart people that have gone out of business. It's really uh, those that are able to adapt and adapt to all the different changes that are going on, uh, namely the consumer, uh, their buying habits. They're changing. They're changing the way they do things. And if you're going to try and force anybody today to do business the way you want them to do business, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, man, that's great. Because, that's great. That's what never been stronger. Absolutely. I mean, and, 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 the, and to me, right now is the greatest time in the world. I mean, technology has never been better. I mean, you know, buy, people are buying more than ever. I mean, this is a great time to be alive, in my opinion. You, you believe that? You, you can reach, we can reach massive amounts of people very inexpensively today. I mean, uh, when I was a salesperson back in the 80s, I would send out postcards to all of my customers to communicate with them on a monthly basis. And, you know, literally would write out a thousand postcards a month and send them out and then wait for the results to come. And today I can do an email blast with video with special effects and send it out to tens of thousands of not only customers, but to potential customers for pennies. We're going to find in the not too distant future that Instagram platforms like Instagram, Facebook are free, the F word free, relatively speaking. And and for the amount of mass appeal that you can have, if you use those uh, platforms correctly, and there's really only two platforms, it's Google and Facebook, that's the deal. You can use those two platforms effectively, you can rule the world in whatever space you're in. It's it's awesome, it's awesome. Hey, all right, so let's, uh, before we, we're gonna get into a lot of that today, but. I really want to get into a little bit about your background, your childhood. Tell me a little bit about how you were raised and what did your parents do? Um, my, my mom, um, shoot, my dad was in the automobile business. Uh, he was a stockbroker. Then he got into the automobile business. Uh, my mom uh, raised us kids and she, you know, she was a disciplinarian for uh, our entire lives. And when I was growing up, she actually worked at a, a hospital, Pilgrim State Hospital. And, you know, it was really um, kind of an 
interesting thing. My mom worked overnights at this hospital, and she had a, a, a sometimes really uh, difficult job of cleaning up after patients that had special needs, that had uh, that were mentally not stable, and you know, working overnight. And I remember uh, going to the hospital to pick her up, and then she would drive me to college, and she'd go home. And so, you know, it's really a great work work ethic environment that I grew up in. It's awesome. And, and and so, tell me, who who's Paul Singer, and what what does that guy mean to you? Well, it means everything to me. Paul Singer uh, is my mentor. He was the first dealer I ever worked for in the car business. Um, I, you know, he was a God-like figure to me for many, many years. And as a salesperson, I wanted to be more like, uh, like PS, as we called him. And frankly, I mean, I copied everything that I could copy from him. You know, I, I learned from Dennis Waitley in the 80s, uh, the, the easiest way to learn, imitation, observation and repetition. So I, I watched everything he did and I'm a coffee freak to this day because he was, you know, and <laughs> I saw him with a fancy suitcase and, um, uh, and he wasn't a, a flashy person, but he had a fancy uh, Louis Vuitton suitcase and I, I bought one and the suitcase for him was one millionth of his net worth. At the time I bought it, it was probably 50% of my net worth, but I had to have it. Um, and, and, but the most important things, he was a, an absolute mentor to me. He uh, really sat me on his knee and trained me. And the lessons were not always easy lessons, but over uh, the next uh, 26 years of my career, I worked for him. I, I worked for him up until uh, the, the day he died, which was 2006. And uh, you know, frankly, I still work for him. I work for the family, but I'm, I'm still working for him. So, so was he a tough coach? I mean, when you look back, was he a tough coach? Yeah, you know, his nickname was the Silk Hammer because uh, he really had an elo eloquence and an elegance about him. But make no mistake about it, behind that soft cover was a hammer. And, you know, I think a lot of people today uh, in business, and I don't want to throw stones at millennials, they just, they don't understand. If you want me to teach you to box, you're going to have to get hit. And there's no way that you and I can watch a YouTube video on boxing and learn how to box unless you get in the ring. And that is going to be throwing punches and receiving some. You know, what's the only way you can learn how to take a punch is to take a punch or two or three. And so I had to learn the lesson. And a number of people that worked for him during that process would tap out. But the, the reality is, you know, I learned that there was a lesson there behind it. He never, you know, and again, he was never physically abusive. He was never verbally abusive. But he let me know that the competition's tough out there. And you've got to be as tough or tougher than the competition. And so the lessons learned each transaction, each deal, by, by calling me into his office and reviewing with him. And, and he taught me early, I better know the answers to the questions he's asking. You know, it, it's amazing how success leaves clues and, and how much yeah, sure. I relate to you because, I mean, I had a tough coach too. I had a guy that told me what I needed to hear, not what I wanted to hear. And I constantly tell, we, we, we have an organization of 1,500 licensed agents in financial services. And we are, I'm constantly reminding them that, uh, you know, look, I want you to like me, but I really want you to respect me. I really want to give you the answers, the right answers, not sugarcoat it, not tell you what you want. You know, and, what, and what's important for you to hear at this moment. Yeah, very often, you know, I, I am guilty of saying I'm not really concerned whether or not they like me. You know, right. that, that's not my job is to be liked. And certainly that's a great outcome. But, my, you know, my job, if there are 100 cars parked correctly, but one's crooked, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about the 99 that are parked correctly. We're going to talk about the one that's, 
that's corporate. And, and it's the same with skill sets, right? It's my job to, to critique and to help you with those skill sets. And once you master a number of them, now we're going to take it up a notch and we're going to take it up a notch. We're, we're going to refine what the expect is so that we can take you to the next level. And I've had several uh, people that went through my little university and became automobile dealers. And the odds of selling a car and then becoming a dealer, a less than one in a million are able to do that. And I've had several successful examples. And it, invariably, I get the call six or seven months after they're doing, running their own business. And they say, thank you. But for what? Thank you for being so tough on me. What do you mean? Well, all those times you push my face in the mud, it's paying off now. I get it. I get it. And, you know, the, the pressure that's on a businessman or woman today, it, it's never been like it is before. But I, I guess I always resonated with people that were like that. My, my hockey coach, Norm Ryder, and he's still alive. He's in his 70s. This guy had a small cigar butt sticking out of his mouth. He would skate behind me with a hockey stick and wrap me in the backside as hard as he could and scream at me, things you can't even say on this podcast. Skate, you gotta get off my eyes. And, and I would run through a brick wall for that person. Today, you, if you push somebody, you know, they, they, a lot of people, they, they don't understand. You can't make somebody tough by constantly being soft. You, and again, mean and tough are two different things. You know, I don't think there's a reason to be mean, but you've got to let people know and be straight. Remember, candor builds trust. And I've got to be honest with the people that I'm coaching. Hey, you're not putting in the work. You're not putting in the time. And you're not going to survive the turndown that's coming. And, and that's really what we're preparing our people for now, because there's going to be a tremendous amount of opportunity. But, you know, you've got to be a lion out there. You've got to learn to hunt. And these guys think hunting is sitting on Instagram and going like, no, man, you don't see a lion in the forest doing this all day. They're out hunting. And it, we need to Now, you can hunt with this. We understand that. But most of what's being done is not hunting. It's clicking likes on things that are not going to make them any money. And so, so right. it's really, let's get those activities in line with what we say we want. Oh, I love that, Brian. Oh, man, this is great. This is great, great stuff. Okay, so, so let's, let's kind of, let's, let's head, you know, a little bit in the past, and let's talk a little bit about some mistakes that you might have made in your past, and, you know, maybe, you know, what, what you did to correct them or what you did to get past those adversities. But, you know, mistake's a funny word, right? Because some of the difficulties in my life uh, have been the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, and, you know, uh, there's a a Rudyard Kipling uh, poem called If, and it says to to look at success and failures and see them for the imposters that they are. And I think that's very, very true. I mean, many uh, a time, uh, the seeds of success are planted in the soil of failure. And conversely, the seeds of failure are planted in the soil of success, right? Because some, sometimes when we're starting to do well in business and we're starting to make gains and progress, that's when all of a sudden the disciplines start to drop off. That's when guys go out and they party a little bit too much. They, they start drinking and they don't hit the gym. They don't hit the books. They don't uh, practice their craft. And slowly decay creeps in. And it'll creep in every time. So when I, when I look at some of the things that I would have looked at as failures and early on in my life, I wanted to own real estate. And every month I started buying a house, every month. And, and we were in an ascending market in the 80s. Uh, the Tax Reform Act, TRA of 86 was in place. 
and tax rates were lowered and the economy was booming. So every month I'm buying a house. I'm saying, gee, I wonder why my father wasn't a billionaire. This is easy. Um, I didn't realize that you can get yourself over leveraged. And, you know, in, in 90 or uh, 89, 90, as things turned the other way, I, I was really in a position where I was over leveraged and almost had lights out for me. That was a great lesson for me to learn that, that, you know, trees don't grow to the sky, that invariably there is going to be a pullback. And during those pullbacks, that's when you go out and buy, not as you're, you know, as, as things are rising, because, you know, usually people buy at the wrong time and they sell at the wrong time. So I think I've adjusted that. Uh, and it's been a great learning for me uh, as I move forward. Very, very good advice right there, man. So many people, they're always, I, I'm, I've been in the investment business for now 22 years and I just watch people make so many mistakes. They buy way too high and they get scared. When the market pulls back, they get scared. They don't realize that all markets that go down inevitably go back up. So if you just hold tight, buy up when it's low, it'll always make it way, it's, it's way back up. I mean, I've been, I've been now through the worst stock market crashes in my 22 years in business, the worst stock market crashes, the worst real you estate look, crashes. You don't look old enough to be in business 22 years. And I mean, that, that's a blessing. Good for you. Uh, but yeah, you know, so, yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, potentially, there's always that potential that things are, are going to come back uh, uh, and bite us in the backside. Let's take a look. We've had a stock market for 10, 11 years now that's been uh, growing. We've had the lowest interest rates now for 10 or 11 years. And, and this is something I'm sharing with my salespeople and very difficult not to say this without butt hurting them, but they don't, if you've never experienced hard, then you think easy is hard. And right now it's easy. We've got low unemployment, we've got low interest rates, we've got free access to capital like never before. Right now it's easy, but if you've never experienced hard, you think it's difficult. Wait till hard comes and it always does. Now, some of us, I, you know, I broke into the car business in 1982. Prime lending rate was 19%. So today, prime wow. is what, 2.5? And they're crying. It went from two and a quarter to 2.5. Oh my gosh, the business has slowed down. What are you talking about? Historic average is four and a half to 5%. So we're half of historic average. And there are people that are saying, well, this is really going to impact my, my mortgage payments and everything else. Well, if you're leveraged to the hilt, then you are worried about every single quarter point rise. Because when you bought the darn house, you couldn't afford it. And now as, as, as your adjustable rate mortgage is starting to adjust, uh, people find themselves in a difficult spot. The same thing with credit cards and other uh, lending that people are doing for depreciating assets. Huge, huge. Hey, so so what? Why did you go into sales? Into to, like, did you always want to be in sales? Or was that did that start as a no. child? <clears throat> when did you do that? When did you no, make it was that It was absolutely an accident. Uh, I needed something to do. I asked my father if uh, he could help me get a job, and he did. And I thought I would do uh, try car sales until something better came along. And um, thankfully, nothing better has come along. Uh, and, and in fact, what what I think I was able to do. I was able to look at the business with fresh, untainted eyes. And I could see, wow, well, th this man is doing it this way. Customers don't really like him. Uh, and people like me, I think I ident they identify with me as their son, their, their uh, re relative. I was a young, aspirational, uh, good kid. And, um, and, and I realized that some of these people that were selling cars were supporting families and owned a home. I was 22 years old. I said, gosh, if that guy can support a family and own a home, and I'm better than him, then what, what can I do? 
And, and I think the more I looked and the more I asked those questions, the, the better the answers uh, that I came up with. And, and for me, um, I, I think that the acres of diamonds are right underneath your feet. And I always, uh, I've been able to climb that ladder. I was just having a conversation with somebody who was asking me for more money. And I said, well, go get it. I, mean, don't, I, I don't give raises, you give yourself a raise. And all you have to do is climb up the ladder. You know, it, it's just take that up to the next step. And you can certainly give yourself a bigger raise than I would ever be inclined to give you. And let me show you here the directions I would go in if I were you. And, and again, if he activates on any of those things, the suggestions, then, then certainly he can completely change his outcome and his income. And you asked the right questions. I think what was profound, what you just said right now, is you asked the right questions. Instead of asking the questions, um, you know, why, you know, can it be me or why, or why not me? You started asking questions like, you know, why can't it be me? Why can't I have success? Why can't I have a home? Why can't I have a nice life like that guy? And so many people ask the wrong questions in their life. Do, yeah, do you the notice debil- that? They're debilitating. asking the wrong questions. Yeah. Yeah. Debilitating. <laughs> debilitating questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And instead of empowering questions, you know, and I, you know, it certainly were, why not me? And I, I found the store was getting stale in 2016. And when I say stale, we won every award you can win for Honda and Acura. We sold 10,272 Hondas um, in that particular year. It was an all-time record for us, a world record for us. And But I noticed the uh, seeds of failure starting to take hold. And you know, I noticed some of the guys were coming in a little bit late. They were leaving a little bit early. I'd ask somebody to do something. I got a little edge, an attitude back. And people started believing their own press. And so, you know, I, I thought what we all needed to do was to give ourselves a good kick in the, in the backside. Um, and, and what we did is we uh, set a goal to double business uh, in, in 24 months. Uh, and from that high level uh, of, of attainment to double business, and it, it took me um, better than a year and a half of influencing the people around me to see that it was possible. You know, the, 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 the go back to a Jack Welsh's uh, four E's, right? The first E is envision. What's the vision? So the vision was let's double, let's double business in 24 months. Uh, the next is, is, is to really to get the, the guys excited, to energize your team, right? And then the third E is that the thing that we all struggle with is the execution. It's really, you know, what, how do we execute this, this plan? And during the past um, 18 months or so, we've been working on this plan, uh, starting out with our service business. And I have to tell you, Dan, the results are nothing short of outstanding. Really, 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 yeah, it really is. And so, and, and so, I mean, as far as like, I mean, car, the car business, car salespeople, salespeople in general get a bad rap. Why is that, in your opinion? Because so many of them are not professional. You know, the the everyone is a salesman. Every person's a salesperson. You know, there's a guy in the White House right now, like him or don't like him, pretty good salesperson. Right. You know, he, he, his first job in politics, his business card says POTUS. And that's, you know, that's, a, that's not easy to do. No, he didn't start out as mayor or, or count, uh, assemblyman. He started out as POTUS. And, you know, and, and I think he had a very clear vision. And, again, I'm not discussing politics. I'm discussing you know, he was a salesperson. Look at Barack Obama. He was an incredible uh, salesperson, charismatic. People don't want to be called salespeople. They think there's something wrong with that. But if you don't think we got put together by President Obama and he sold us, he did. And he did a great job. He got elected twice. And what was his, his job? He was a senator for two years. And I, you know, I think he had an incredibly thin resume. 
but he had a very high IQ and a very high I care quotient. And that came across to people. And, that, and that's selling, I think. And that's, you know, at the ultimate uh, level of sa uh, salesmanship. You, you look at any of the uh, Steve Jobs, he sold us on, hey, you need this, right? And, and he changed the world and, and, and got $600 billion as a result uh, of doing that. You know, you don't buy Apple or for many years. You weren't buying Apple. You're buying the salesman. You're not buying a Tesla. Tesla. You're buying Elon Musk. You know, he's, he's nutty. He's a genius. He's incredibly charismatic. And, and he's selling us on the concept of this electrified car. And it's cool. And it's different. Think of Amazon. Are you really buying Amazon? Are you buying Jeff Bezos and the dream and the vision of this guy, the nerdy guy selling books who's now taking over the world? And you sit there and say, you know, it's not right. It's not fair as you order something on your Alexa home device. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's incredible. And, and these are people with incredible vision, right? None of this happens without vision. Trump uh, has been asked if he was going to be president for tw 20 years. And, and, so, so, and so, so the, what, the seeds were planted. So, so would you say, uh, sorry, sorry to uh, jump on you, but I mean, would you say then as a salesperson for us to be better salespeople, because so many people that are listening right now, they're, most of them are salespeople. And these people, they're, they want to know, how do we become a better salesperson? Are you saying that you got to have a vision? I mean, that that's step number one. You got to have some sort of vision. Sure. What's the outcome? You know, you know, I guess Tony Robbins has been saying this for 30 years. Know, know your outcome. You have no, you know, you're in no danger of hitting a target you never set. So what is that outcome? And the outcome, what is the outcome for sales? What is the outcome for yourself? How do you see yourself as a 70-year-old person? If you see yourself broken down and out of shape, hanging on life support, well, you know, chances are that might be how you end up. But if you see yourself being completely vibrant, energized at 80 years old, and you take steps to get yourself there, well, then you've got a better shot of doing it. I think it's the same with selling. I thought selling, whether I'm selling cars or ideas or concepts, um, I, I thought that was my vehicle to get me in the direction that I wanted to go. And it just so happened that I, I took my first major selling job in automobile sales. I, I think a lot of the things that I learned would have been applicable in any field. I just chose automobile sales, and I saw some things that were possible for me and you know, started setting some targets for myself. And gosh, you know, that, that old saying that if the 3% that write down their goals uh, uh, really control more than the other 97% combined. And I remember hearing about that many years ago, and they said, you have to have written goals. And I, and, you know, I said, well, you know, what if it's true, right? And so I started writing this stuff down. I've got a, a sort of a famous favorite little story of mine. When um, I guess I'm in my early 30s, and uh, a friend, uh, a woman I was dating, her sister was over my house at some time, and she used the bathroom in, um, in my bedroom. And she came out mocking, reading uh, an index card that I had on the mirror there that said, I, Brian Benson, I'm going to have a net worth of blah, 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 blah. And she did it in a very mocking tone. And I shall give everything and every effort. I was really out of thinking, grow rich. <clears throat> and, you know, I remember feeling kind of silly that she was doing that. And, you know, it's sort of a very personal thing that I had there to look at every single day. And I look back and I remember the number, and I won't share with you what the number was, but the net worth number was so pitifully low in, in retrospect. But at the time, it was an incredible mountain to climb. And, you know, I know where this person is now. And boy, they're not laughing now. You know, right, right, right. There's something about that. Every time you get to that, 
you set that next goal. Have, have you read Goggins' uh, book, Can't Hurt Me? Dave Goggins, I, David I Goggins. Oh, no, man, put him on your list. And I, I'm, okay. I'm, I, don't, I don't benefit. Uh, David Goggins is an absolute warrior. He was a Navy SEAL. Uh, he's run a, a number of ultra marathons, 125 miles. This guy walked, he crawled through the most incredibly difficult childhood. And just the second he finished one goal, it was just the next. And he, he's just an adrenaline junkie taking it up and up and up. And it's just a really exciting book. And I turned my whole staff on. So be careful, though. He uses some very direct language that people today aren't used to. Very <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting to me as I talk <laughs> to so many people, I interview so many people, and it's just, it's amazing to me how, uh, you know, we all go through that, you know, in the beginning days where people laughed at you, people told you you couldn't do it. I mean, I had my best friend growing up. I mean, he laughed at me, he told me, you know, go back to school. I mean, I dropped out of college because I wanted to be in business. I mean, that's where I, I, I tell people all the time, if college would have had classes, <laughs> right, if college would have had classes on my business, I would have went to college but there was no college classes on my business. So therefore I had to get out of college. And I think a lot of people waste so much energy and time in college on areas that are not getting them further in their life. And so well, let's go give me your to, thoughts on that. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, well, well again, it's know your outcome. So why are you going to college? And if right. you want to college to make mom happy or dad happy or to get something to hang on a wall, it's the wrong oh. reason. I, I, yep. I dropped out of college to get into business. And I started saying, hey, wait a second, if I apply myself here, I can, I can make a pretty substantial amount of money. And for a 22-year-old guy living in mom and dad's basement, I was doing real well. And, and then I, I started looking at, well, what's the upside here? But the reality was there are certain fundamental things that they teach in college. The most important thing they teach in college is they teach you how to learn, a structured way of learning. That's super important. So to be able to learn the things that are important to you and I, you know, I, I went back to college, got the degree because everybody required that you have it, society. Uh, you're in that position, you better have the degree. So I did that. But more recently, um, I went uh, to NYU. I went to NYU University, New York University. I took a couple of classes on disruptive leadership. And boy, college has changed. I mean, it, it used to be those that cannot do teach, but that's not the case. The professors that I had at NYU were fantastic. And, you know, I went back to college for a very specific purpose. I wanted to double business in 24 months. I know that I've been selling cars for better than 30 years, and it took all the knowledge and talent that I had to get to the level we were at. If I was going to take this to a different level, I couldn't do it by working more hours. I couldn't do it by working more days. I had, I had to educate my mind, and I had to change what I knew. And I started looking at some of the big disruptors like Amazon and Google. And like you said before, success leaves clues. And, and all of a sudden, light bulbs started to go off. But how can I apply my 30 years in this vocation to where the future is going? And how can I take the technology? Uh, like, like, look at Jeff Bezos. What technology did he invent? He didn't invent the internet. He didn't invent books. He didn't invent Federal Express or UPS. Uh, he, the, the whole concept of deliver, home delivery, I mean, look at Sears. They were doing it in the 20s. 20s and the 30s. They just never evolved, right? They, they had a million square foot warehouse in Chicago. Why Chicago? Center of the company, uh, country for distribution. But they never changed and adapted to this. They were Bezos before Bezos. And, and in uh, fact, you could buy from a Sears catalog a house, motorcycles. You can't buy that from Amazon. They, they just, they were way ahead of themselves. And then they 
sat back. Remember, the seeds of success, uh, a failure are planted during successful time. They had this incredible catalog business, and then they never evolved to this new thing called the internet. And sadly, they're gone. Uh, you know, the times are changing, and it goes back to what you said at the opening. You know, this, the future belongs to those that uh, have the ability to adapt. Well, th th this is where we're at right now. I mean, think about what me and you are doing right now. We're doing a podcast to reach out to potentially tens of thousands of people <coughs> and put ourselves, our, our name, our brand, our, you know, I mean, because I, I mean, I'm thinking while you're talking to me right now, Brian, I'm thinking in my mind, I would pay you lots and lots of money. There's so many people out there that would pay you lots and lots of money to just get inside of your brain for a little while. And, and to be able to learn from somebody like you, we're able to bring this, this information, this, this so decades of information that you're bringing to right. the now, world. Now this is awesome. Never been done before. Never been done. Before. Here's the edge. Here's the edge we have. We're hybrids. I've got one foot in the hard work, do it this way knowledge, right? And I've got the other foot in this current environment that we're in right now, which is the ability to transfer information to massive amounts of people is, is there. The other thing that we have the ability to do is to get information from massive. I, I, we can look up, uh, go Google Richard Branson and get his best work, his best thoughts, his ideas. Name the billionaire. Name the person. And we can find out everything about them. Do deep dives. I don't have to go to the library. It's at my right. fingertips. It's at my fingertips. It's at voice technology. Uh, and it's just such an incredible time. People today have no excuse for failure. If you have an internet connection and a device, you no longer, and, and a, hopefully a free economy, then you have no reason not to be successful. Oh, man. It's, it's great times. Hey, hey so, so look, um, the last question I have for you, tell me about some of your successes. Tell me a little bit about your dream. Tell me a little bit about how you're living your dream. Share with us. Well, 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 you know, the success is uh, no longer about money for me. I like money. I take the money. Uh, but it's really about uh, something that goes into my head becoming a reality. And we, we looked at uh, the difference between Amazon and Google um, two years ago. I looked at the difference between the two. And, and I, was, uh, I looked at uh, what's the number one search engine. And, of course, I came up with the answer, uh, which was Google. And I, and I said, well, uh, what's the number two search engine? And you could say YouTube, and you'd be right. But then we changed the question a little bit. What's the number one search engine for retail? Because I'm a retailer, and that would be Amazon. In fact, they beat Google two to one at the time. And we thought, well, why is that? And then, you know, the, the profound knowledge and thinking I came up with was Google, through search, brings a customer to the product. You search the product, and Google tells you where to get it. Amazon brings the product to you. Google brings you to the product. Amazon brings the product to you. And people were resonating incredibly with the concept of having it brought to them, having control of the process, the, the buying process. And for me, that was a watershed moment. That was an aha moment. And I thought, well, what if uh, instead of asking customers to come to the dealership, we could bring the dealership to the customer? And then how, how would we do that? How would I invent the portal to do that? And I realized I didn't have to invent the portal. There is one. And in fact, I have a dealership in every person's hand that has a smartphone. And, and so we, we then, uh, uh, I, I got so audacious, I got around the people at Google and I said, do you want to work on this with me? And they, they were really excited to do that. And we developed voice technology where I can talk to uh, a Google assistant and say, hey Google, uh, 
uh, talk to Paragon Honda and Google will talk to Paragon Honda. And we can actually use voice technology to have your car picked up, serviced, and brought back to you without ever swiping, touching, or clicking uh, just by using voice technology. And so I, I coined the phrase, the future is frictionless, and it is. And, and that was thanks to... Uh, Sorry, I can't talk with that yet. That's it's, it's my, my, my friend over there, Google. Um, I, I, I credit um, the Amazon product, the Alexa product, with that because the first time I got it, I ordered uh, some coffee. I had my assistant take it out of the box, and I looked at it and said, what do you do with this? Well, you can buy stuff. And we loaded the credit card. And so I, I gave the prompt, you know, hey, hey Alexa, uh, buy coffee. And it gave me a bunch of choices, and I like the Starbucks little K-Cups. So and it said, it's $49 for, for 40 Would you like to buy some? And I said, yes, give me your code, one, two, three, four. And I forgot about it. The next day, 10, 30, and thing walks a box of coffee. And I just went, whoa, whoa. That was a transaction conducted 100% without friction. I did not interact with the salesperson, and it was a perfectly executed order. So as you said, success leaves clues. You start asking that big question, what if? What if we were able to do that with service, sales, test drive? Uh, you need a spark plug. You just talk to Paragon, we bring you a spark plug. And we, so we set up a whole network of drivers. And I'm, I'm happy and proud to announce that uh, we started that in May of 2017. By August, we were picking up uh, and servicing 600 cars a month. Remember, that's from zero to 600 cars a month where uh, we would pick up a customer's car at night, service it overnight while they're sleeping, and put it back in the driveway before they go to work. And we thought, well, that's a good customer convenience. And um, um, I think it's resonating because one year later, in August of 2018, we picked up 1,900 cars. So, so the, the business, not it didn't double. It went up 300%. And, and the really cool part is the uh, profit per transaction doubled. So we had 300% increase in volume and a 100% increase in profit. Imagine that's the gross profit of a Ferrari with the volume of a Honda. Uh, you know, it's just really been an outstanding uh, learning for us. And, and again, necessity becoming the mother of invention. We have a, 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 a shop that we've outgrown and anybody can take out the checkbook and buy more real estate. But man, you've got to have the ability to expand and contract. And right now, I, you know, I think we're at the top of that real estate market. Do you really want to be buying hard assets uh, real estate uh, for service business in a potentially contracting market. Well, this gives us the flexibility to expand and contract without having the fixed overhead associated with it. And so we're, we're real excited about that. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, this has been uh, really, really exciting for me just to get to know you, Brian. And I just want to remind everybody that, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, at one point in time, you got to you got to be a silk hammer. I like that. I really like that. Uh, his father was a stockbroker. You know, seeds of failure are planted in the times of success. Is that what it was? So, soil, soil of success. Soil of success. And we've all been there, right? We've, we've been there. We've all been there. Right. So, so be you, careful. You start drinking a little bit. Comfortable. There you go. Stop. Yeah, you know, get, get out of your get out of your comfort zone. You know. And look, I mean, you got to envision, you got to energize, you got to, you know, execute. And, um, you know, to lead is to bleed. You got to lead from the front, show your people that you're willing to get dirty, willing to get your hands dirty. Uh, I think this is one of my favorite podcasts. Honestly, Brian, this is, I, I'm, I'm, when I come to New, next time I'm in New York, I'm coming to see you. 
I promise you, I'm, I'm coming to take you to lunch. Uh, no, no, I'm going. Uh, listen, listen, I'm going to you. I see palm oh. trees in the background. I'm going. There you go. Come yeah, on, anytime, I, I, anytime. But we're we're gonna have some fun. Uh, thanks for the recommendation on on a book, uh, on some books. But hey, look, how can my audience connect with you? Because I know people want to buy a Honda. Number one, they want to buy a Honda. But number two, they want to get to know we'll you. Ship it to you. And yeah, there you go. And we yeah. want to get to know you, and we want to know we'll how we can find you, man. Tell us. Yeah, BrianBensock.com uh, is certainly a way to, to, to get me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook under my name, Brian Benstock, or, or LinkedIn if, uh, for the busy, uh, business savvy uh, individuals. And, you know, we love talking to other people. This is like really the ability to have a mastermind group, right, of people around the country. And it's amazing how many times another business can give me an idea that's completely relevant to our business uh, in, in automobile space. And how many people I've talked to from different businesses that say what you're doing is very relevant to what we're doing right now, what we need. So it's really a cross pollination. Huge, huge, man. Hey, and I just want to let all of our listeners know that uh, make sure you share this podcast. This is hugely, hugely valuable to the people uh, on your teams and your organizations. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're signing people up every day. I have a wealth on the beach club, uh, one full hour with me every single week question and answers, uh, lessons. Check out my, my new website, alonzoacademy.com for all the details. And as always, subscribe to my YouTube channel for some really valuable free content. Uh, and as always, dream bigger, but make sure that you do it now. God bless you. Have a great day, Brian. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you very much.